Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Wild Combination is director Matt Wolf's visually absorbing portrait of a seminal avant-garde uh, composer singer, songwriter, cellist, and disco producer Arthur Russell. Before his untimely death in, uh, from AIDS in 1992, Arthur was prolifically creating music that spanned both pop and transcended the possibilities of abstract art. Now over 15 years after his passing, Arthur's work is finally being uh, finding an audience. Uh, Wolf's, uh, incorporates Matt Wolf incorporates uh, rare archival footage, uh, commentary film uh, from uh, Arthur's family, friends, and closest collaborators, and that would include Philip Glass and, and Allen Ginsberg. With that, we're joined today by the director of Wild Combination, a portrait of Arthur Russell, the director, Matt Wolf. Matt, welcome to film, Hi. Sh- welcome to film school. Thanks for having <laughs> me. You're very, thank you for being here. Um, Wow, uh, as uh, as I said to you off mic, um, I think I know a fair amount about music, and uh, I was just not uh, familiar with Arthur's work. And for that alone, I thank you. He's he really was quite an artist. Uh, tell us a little bit uh, about uh, him as an artist. But if you want to start by talking about your involvement in doing a, a documentary, if that led you to this or not, tell us a little bit how you got involved with this. I guess. Well, back in 2004, um, when I started making the film, um, it, um, you know, his music was being re-released, and kind of music nerds knew about it, and a friend of mine said, hey, there's this guy, he was a kind of disco auteur in New York in the 70s and 80s, and he would ride the Staten Island Ferry listening to cassette mixes of his own music back and forth. Mm-hmm. And that image just really intrigued me, and I went out and bought some of the records, and they were incredible. And and also they they all sounded completely different. It was a, it was as if it was five different musicians making this incredible variety of work. And um, I started interviewing the people who worked with him and who knew him best. And um, I made this film in, in a way to bring his music to a broader audience. And and it first came out in uh, 2008, and then like a lot of films, um, it went out of print. And and now it's it's finally being made available digitally to people all over the world. Let, let's let our listeners know that it is being released on April 8th, that's this coming Tuesday, on iTunes, and it'll be also available on video on demand. So you can you can check it out. Yeah, it is uh, fascinating in that um, you're right when you say his uh, his interest, his musicianship really did span everything from sort of a uh, a poetic folk rock to disco to uh, what I think would be easily classified as avant-garde Philip Glass material in terms of er, 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 um, area of music. Um, what do you attribute his his sort of interest and his uh, ability to adapt these different kinds of musical styles? Well, I think a lot of time artists are kind of encouraged just to be one person instead of to explore all their interests and all the different sides of themselves creatively. So that's something I was really inspired by with Arthur is he was interested in all those different types of music and he pursued making it. Um, and usually as artists, we, we kind of have to do one thing and we get popular for that and that's what we do. And yeah. I think another thing is that his kind of, you might call it genre promiscuity, was a, 
was a pretty good um, example of what downtown New York culture was like in the 1970s and 80s. There was, you know, avant-garde venues where bands like the Talking Heads would play, mm-hmm. and poets like Allen Ginsberg lived alongside punk kind of heroes like Richard Helm, the same apartment building, and, and Arthur lived in that building. So there was a lot of dialogue happening between artists of, of different genres and mediums. And there was a particular building you're talking about, and it was sort of, and there was sort of a storefront for our uh, setup for for artists as well. What was the the name of that? Um... Well, there's two different spaces. Arthur was very involved in a space called the Kitchen, which is still a really important kind of a, an experimental theater, dance, and music venue in New York. And in the 1970s, it launched the careers of people like Laurie Anderson and Philip Glass, and um, then he lived in the East Village in, in a very storied apartment building. That It wasn't a storefront. It was just a, a, an innocuous building, but there were a lot of luminaries that lived there, like Allen Ginsberg, who famously um, gave Arthur an extension cord um, from his apartment so that Arthur could have electricity because he was too poor to pay for it. <laughs> uh, well, okay, and, and this, what I'm thinking of, is it the kitchen that had you could walk by and look inside and see, or was that the apartment building? I'm not the kitchen had was in various different buildings at different times, okay. but there was a time where you could kind of look in and see what was happening in there. And, and their history is just so incredible. Yeah. The Beastie Boys had one of their favorite first concerts there, but also there were tons of avant-garde artists that people have never heard of who would do gigs there and try out new things. It was just like a real context for experimentation and trying different things, and conversations happen between artists of a lot of different mediums there, right. and yeah. they still do. Yeah, it's that community of artists in, in that brew that you get when you put people in a room who are obviously very gifted and very uh, prone to to breaking convention or at least looking a, a little bit outside of what is considered conventional, whatever their medium might be, music or art or Poetry. Yeah, and I, th- I think yeah. for a long time people always thought New York is a place where that happens. I think it happens less and less mm. in this city, and that this time period in which Arthur was working was really kind of utopic in that way. And, um, you know, his music and his biography is a representation of that. Obviously, he he had a good musical. By the way, we're speaking with Matt Wolf, and we're, we're talking to him about the documentary film that was um, actually a, a couple of years old, but coming out now on iTunes and, and video on demand this Tuesday. It's called Wild Combination, a portrait of Arthur Russell, a musician um, extraordinaire, uh, really kind of a cutting-edge artist. Um, obviously, he had a very good foundation upon which to build, uh, to be able to uh, span these different musical uh, genres. Uh, tell us a little bit about his uh, initial background, his initial kind of musical training. Well, Arthur grew up in Oskaloosa, Iowa, and he actually was always obsessed with water, maybe because he lived in such a landlocked place. And he studied cello um, and ran away from home to San Francisco, where he joined a Buddhist monastery. And it was in a park that he met Allen Ginsberg at that time and was also taking kind of cello classes at a, a, a classical music conservatory in San Francisco. But in the Buddhist uh, commune where he was living, they wouldn't allow people to have their own possessions. Everything had to be communal. And when they took his cello away, he kind of said, I'm over this, and he moved to New York. And that's when he got involved in other kinds of things, like the avant-garde music scene of the kitchen or eventually disco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, 
You mentioned some of the artists that were involved in the kitchen, Talking Heads. As you said, there were a lot we don't know. Lori Anderson came out. I'm a huge Lori Anderson fan and seemed to be, her, a lot of her music has uh, strings in it, in, in cellos particularly, I remember from, from her early work. Um, and I'm just thinking about the sort of cross Arthur was in Laurie Anderson's first band, which what? is not a fact I included in the film because I learned about it afterwards when I met Laurie Anderson, and she told me, hey, Arthur was in my first band. I had, well, there you go. Thank you. We're, some breaking news here on Film School. Yeah. That, that's but, what, you know, that, I think that kind of collaboration uh-huh. and cross-pollination is just something that really happened back in the day in New York when um, it was a smaller community of artists. Yeah, and, and like I said, her her music, her especially her first couple of albums, had a lot of it, violin. She played violin, but a lot of that kind of sound, which is well, that's that makes some makes even more sense now. Um, so Arthur was able to, again, sort of a, his relationship with Allen Ginsberg. Apparently, Allen was drawn to him for a lot of reasons, but particularly for his um, kind of this uh, midwestern sensibility that I think he kind of projected uh, um, Arthur did, but he had this uh, remarkable ability to assimilate uh, different musical styles. Um, tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about the relationship that he had with Philip Glass and Alan, Alan Ginsberg, because they're in the film talking about uh, talking about Arthur. Well, um, I mean, he was a collaborator to them. I think he learned a lot from them um, in the way that Philip Glass did avant-garde music, but also collaborated with pop musicians and worked in the world of opera, but also did his own performances. So Arthur collaborated with Philip, um, but I think took a lot of cues from him about how to be an artist. And Alan and him were very close personal friends, um, and they collaborated. Uh, Alan Ginsberg um, made some records, and Arthur played on them, including um, some footage we have of Arthur backing him up on a PBS show mm-hmm. um, where uh, Alan's kind of doing some crazy folk singing. <laughs> um, and um, yeah. I think with, with Alan, he, he uh, called Arthur's music Buddhist bubblegum music. Yeah. And I think he provided a kind of credibility and um, a kind of intellectual interpretation of what Arthur was doing. So um, these were kind of two very renowned cultural figures um, who believed in Arthur, um, but Arthur during his lifetime was very obscure. Was it, excuse me, Matt Wolf, was it, was it difficult um, pulling together the information that you needed to, to make uh, the documentary, getting to uh, interview some of the people that you were able to? His parents are a very important part of this story as well, where he came from. They themselves seem to be very open in terms of making sure that Arthur uh, was given uh, the space to be able to create music. But uh, was it difficult? Because, as, as I said earlier, he's not a, a particularly high-profile musician, um, but were there any—tell us a little bit about the process of sort of pulling together the information on Arthur. Well, you know, it was easy to get people to talk about Arthur because they were passionate about his music, and he died prematurely, and that felt very unjust to people. And so— there was an incredible affection for him and his work. And I chose to focus a lot on his parents and his boyfriend, Tom Lee, because mm-hmm. their stories really moved me. Um, and it created an intimate portrait of an individual. And I found Arthur's music to be almost like a diary, in a sense. And bringing to life that, that emotional aspect of the story was really important to me. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it, it is apparent in, um, in that 
the people you do talk to, the affection is is obvious, um, and and the regard they have for him as a as an artist. Um, now, um, let's see. I was going to ask you. I just lost my. What in your own personal interest in in Arthur's music? Where where did the, where did you learn about him uh, when you started listening to him? Well, that... I learned about him through a friend. Oh, is that I what you were saying? How I discover yeah. all the music I like is a friend yeah. kind of sends me a link, and um, that's that's kind of how I first heard the music. This was two thousand four or five, so I was out buying CDs more mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> than I am now. So yeah. I went to the record store and bought the CD when my friend described. Arthur's music to me, and I was I was really hooked. I just loved it, and I remember driving in a car, listening to it, thinking, "This is what I'm really passionate about right now. This is what I want to make something about." And um, it was really just the music that inspired me. So, at what point did you say, "I'm inspired by the music," and you just uh, did getting in contact, started talking to people who you believe knew Arthur? Is that how the sort of the, the well, it's as a filmmaker, I'm always doing that. I find something that I'm inspired or obsessed with. And then a lot of people just kind of leave it at that. But I always kind of go one step further and connect with um, someone who has a relationship to that legacy, because my mind's always ticking about how do I make a project out of this. I know a lot of journalists feel that way too, but yeah. it's something I always do. When I when I like something a lot and it triggers creative ideas for me, I get in touch with people who were related to the subject. Yeah, and, and it seems that uh, footage, uh, difficult, because there there uh, there are some, uh, there isn't, I would assume, there's not a lot of footage of him uh, around. No, there was very little footage of Arthur. So I was always concerned, hey, I don't think there's, enough material in here to make a full film and for a while just kind of thought this is going to be a short experimental project but as I started going there was a lot of material and and it was possible for me to piece together a full picture of this person so it that that took a while to track down everything that did exist but there was so little it really you know it, it didn't take it, you know, there wasn't that many places to go for it. Uh, we're speaking with Matt Wolf. He is the uh, director of the documentary Wild Combination, a portrait of Arthur Russell. It comes out uh, this coming Tuesday, April 8th, uh, on iTunes and on video on demand. Um, now, in, in terms of your own um, history as a filmmaker, um, you, 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 this is, uh, you've done at least two, doc- I think three d- films now you've gotten under your belt. I make a lot of different kinds of stuff. I've made two features. Yeah. My newest film, Teenage, is out in theaters now. Right. And um, uh-huh. I also make short kind of experimental films that play in the art world. And um, I'm, I also make short form documentaries commercially for other people that um, play online and on television. So um, I make a lot of kind of stuff, but it's all pretty much nonfiction. Gotcha, gotcha. To, to, in terms of uh, people that have influenced you creatively, uh, who would you count among the among them? Oh God, there's so many. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really tend to look to other documentary filmmakers for inspiration as much. Although I watch tons and tons of documentaries, it's it's oftentimes visual artists or musicians like Arthur who kind of get ideas flowing for me. So um, it's really like a big kind of it's a big universe of inspirations that are always kind of making me tick. Well, in doing a little bit of research here on you, uh, apparently you had in college, you and a filmmaker, Kelly uh, Reichert was a teacher of yours. Is that? Yeah, oh yeah. That. Kelly was um, really helped me figure out my identity as a filmmaker. She was a professor of mine at NYU and was a great teacher 
Yeah, yeah, and she herself is is a wonderful filmmaker. She is, yeah. Uh, and and uh, you were so I was reading uh, Fassbinder, Todd Haynes, Kenneth Anger seemed to. Yeah, have... I love I love all those filmmakers. I I think um, yeah, I'm I'm drawn towards filmmakers who play with form, who aren't working in the conventional format of the film, but are trying to experiment with a different way of telling a story, um, and oftentimes working with real non-fiction material, but through a kind of lens of fantasy, I would say. If, if I could summarize the kind of filmmakers I'm interested in, it's people who do those types of experiments. Isn't it, it is it is the, the those people that sort of uh, force us to re- reevaluate our perception of films and, and filmmaking that I f- I'm drawn to as well. I, I find them to be the ones... you have. We, we have enough of the sort of conventional films that we watch on a regular basis, but when you see something like a, a Kenneth Anger film or somebody like that, it, it, it tends to really open your eyes, and it sounds like that's been an influence for you as well. So, Absolutely, yeah. 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 Well, what, uh, what, is, uh, what do you work Is there anything in particular that you are uh, working on now? I know you just said Teenage uh, is, uh, is in, uh, in, in, in theaters right now. and um, uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm promoting Teenage, my latest film. It's about the genesis and birth of youth culture. Right. Um, looks at teenagers from 1900 to 1945. And I'm in post-production on a new film that's about a children's book author named Hilary Knight. And he illustrated the famous 1950s children's book, Eloise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm finishing that up right now, too. Fantastic. Well, wonderful. Well, um, you know, hopefully we can get you to come back and talk uh, uh, about Teenage uh, when you have an opportunity. I'd love to have you I'd back. I'd love that. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to as well. Uh, let's again say, uh, sort of cue this up, and that is the film is called Wild Combination, a portrait of Arthur Russell. It is, again, available this coming Tuesday, April 8th on uh, iTunes and VOD. Check it out. It is really a, a, about a, an art, a real artist, sort of a a fully formed artist that you probably aren't familiar with, and most people, I unfortunately, aren't. Uh, he was really there uh, at the beginning of disco. I think we we haven't touched on his sort of uh, sort of the one of the first what I guess you'd call disco hits was produced and 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 uh, uh, part of he was part of that uh, as well, and and a number of other again his his musical taste and his abilities really were uh, across the board, Arthur Russell. So um, thank you so much for being here on Film School. I really appreciate you being. Thanks for having me. All right, you take care, and we will see you soon. All right. Okay. Thanks. Thank Bye. you. Bye, Matt. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.